I don't know whose idea this was to put a tent up on a, but 90 degrees, what it was just a few days ago, it was 90 degrees. And um, all the staff said, we need to order fans and, you know, get, it's going to be hot under there. And, and I prayed that it wouldn't be hot. So, you know, which one of the staff got answers there, their prayer. So turn with me to 1 Samuel, if you would, please, 1 Samuel. We've got a lot of fun things planned today. If you're a guest with us, we want to thank you for being here. And um, we, we normally don't do crazy things like this. Um, and I figured the lights didn't work in the auditorium, so we don't need lights under the tent either. Um, we put the tent up uh, Thursday, I guess it was, and it was a beautiful, beautiful day. And I walked in the tent this morning. I said, why is it so dark in here? I forgot when we put the tent up, it wasn't overcast and rainy. It was beautiful. Um, so, uh, we did that so that you could fall asleep and nobody would see you while you're sleeping this morning. I'm glad that you're here. And, um, if you're a guest with us, thank you for being here. If you invited a guest, I want to thank you for inviting a guest. I know it's a little bit chilly, um, but, um, I think it's good to be here today. I think I think we need just maybe to get out of the norm sometimes and, and come together. I like coming together as one in church. You know, our, due to our auditorium size, we're not able to to gather like this every week. And um, so we, whenever possible, uh, we try to uh, combine the services and um, just so that you could fellowship. How many of you? You looked around and there's someone in this tent, under this tent, you don't know who they are. It's about everybody. Good. I didn't mean the Ball Brothers or I meant someone else. Uh, that's what's good about today. And we do this. I hope you'll stay. Uh, we've got lunch uh, provided for everyone. We've thought through a lot of the details of this day, and it's been a lot of work and a lot of effort to do that. But we have thought through uh, all the all the details because we want to promote fellowship. Uh, I think this as we come to day of the Lord approaches, we that are believers in Christ, we need to be encouraged. Uh, we need to be faithful. And uh, days like today, just it's good to be saved, isn't it? It's good to know Jesus. The thing about uh, He's conquered death. He's conquered the grave. We uh, we've got salvation through Christ, and I praise the Lord for that. And uh, that's why we're here today. That's why we have gathered. Uh, to, uh, after this message is over, we're going to go right into lunch. We're not going to make anything long and drawn out here today. So as soon as this service is over, uh, we've got uh, Deets barbecue and hot dogs and uh, all kinds of uh, things for us for lunch today. And uh, then we also have an ice cream truck coming. Doesn't that sound good today? Who thought of that ice cream <laughs> Hopefully they got hot fudge on that ice cream. But we've got an ice cream truck coming that we want you to, uh, yeah. And uh, and then um, uh, we'll come back under here right at 12 o'clock. We'll come back under here and the uh, Ball Brothers will uh, sing some more. And I hope that you'll stay. I hope that you'll stay and just enjoy uh, the time here under the tent. God has everything under control, doesn't he? Everything's under control. I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning. I've been watching the weather all week and um, woke up at 4 this morning, and the weather changed again. 
And um, I realized this, God's got everything under control. And then I said this to the Lord, thank God that we have a tent to be under and that we didn't just have chairs out on the soccer field because we wanted to do an outdoor service. Um, and so, you know, how you look at it, there's always something to be thankful for. I'm glad, though, the Lord uh, allowed us to be here today. I want us to understand as we look into his word today, God's people, we get answers from one place, and that's God's word. Aren't you glad we have God's word that we can find answers from? Aren't you glad that as we go through life that we don't have to just get answers from other people or we don't have to get answers from uh, just reading books that man read, that we find answers from God's word? God speaks to us through this book, through his word. This is God's word. And in our, uh, in our time, we're facing calamity. I'm not uh, going to preach a, a, a doomsday type message under this tent this morning, but I want us to just acknowledge that we, we are facing a sudden calamity here soon. I believe this, that Jesus Christ is coming again. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's run to the tent. You can get a little bit excited. You can say amen. You can wave a hanky if you need to. Jesus is coming again. And the Bible talks about that. And for those that are believers in Christ, that is a day that we are looking forward to that we can rejoice in. Because a trumpet's going to sound, the Bible says, and the dead in Christ are going to rise, and those that are alive and remain are going to uh, 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 go to the clouds, and we're going to be with him forever. What a wonderful day that's going to be. Can you imagine uh, hearing that trump sound and the graves opening up and, and we going through this tent roof? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? It can happen today. What a wonderful day that's going to be for those of us that are saved. But the Bible talks about as that day approaches and as that day comes, there's going to be calamity here in this world. There's going to be earthquakes and there's going to be persecution. And, and then once Jesus uh, takes his bride out, there's going to be a man, the Antichrist, that's going to come and he's going to rule and reign on this earth. And there's going to be great destruction here upon this earth. I believe, I truly believe that that could happen at any moment. And because of that, that means this, everything is coming into order for that to take place. I saw on the news this past week, Russia and Iran and Turkey, they're meeting this past week on events that are happening in the Middle East. And these are nations that, as you see, the, the return of Christ draw near. These are going to be nations that are going to be in play, making positioning themselves against Israel. War on Israel's borders of, from Syria. And, and, and a lot of things that are happening in this world right now are pointing to the return of Christ. I saw this past week. Isn't it amazing, church, the the main issues that we see in opposition to a Supreme Court justice is his stand on abortion. Isn't that a sad thing? That's the America we're living in today where the greatest opposition to a man sitting on the Supreme Court is that he is pro-life. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for those that are in uh, positions of authority in our country. Paul said this, scoffers will come in the last days. Probably one of the saddest things that we see are people of faith are falling all over the place. 
People of faith that once stood for biblical values, people of faith that once stood for the word of God, now they're falling all over. It's a sad day when we see this happening, but we're warned that this would happen. I believe that we are living in a time where our faith is going to be tested and our faith is going to be stretched. I believe that. I believe that we're living in a day where God is going to allow us to go through things that's going to prove our faith. If you're in a trial today or you're going through carrying burdens today, I want you to realize this today that, that because you're carrying a burden or going through a trial, it does not mean that God has forsaken you. It does not mean that God has set you on a shelf. What God is doing is God is stretching your faith. He is using you because he's putting you in a place where your faith is stretched for him. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, it's a familiar passage of scripture. I preached a message out of here not long ago. And uh, I come back to this passage of Scripture, and David is a man that's in great distress, the Bible says in verse number 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 30. The Bible says, and David was greatly distressed. David was in a day of calamity. David was at a time in his life when he comes back from this battle and he comes and as he's coming over the mountainside, he sees smoke and as he gets closer to Ziglag, he realizes this, the smoke that he sees is because Ziglag, the city that his wives and his children, the city that he is in charge of is in smoke and and uh, has been burnt down and the Amalekites have come and they've destroyed and killed uh, or destroyed everything that David owned and taken his sheep and his wives and his, his children, they've taken them captive. Everything that David had ever had is now gone. I would say that David is in a place of calamity. David is distressed. He's facing a great trial. But what's exciting, and now David doesn't see this, and we have the benefit of seeing it on the other side because we have the benefit of of God's word. But when David is in that place, David has to understand and realize that God has not forsaken him. Although Ziglag is burned and although his family is gone, God has not forsaken David. God is still on the throne. God is still working in David's life. A matter of fact, this is a plan that God has for David so that David would turn back to him. God is still working in the life of David, even though David is going through calamity. David's men that are with him, these 600 men, they're facing great calamity themselves. Their wives and their children are gone. And everything that they owned was either burned or taken away, and they're in great calamity. I want you to see something in verse number 7. As David is in distress, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And in verse number 7, David said to Abathar, the priest, he goes to this priest and he says to this priest, I want you to, I want you to take the ephod and, and, and I need to inquire of the Lord. One of the things that I see here is, is there was nobody that David could turn to other than God. Listen, that, that ought to encourage us today. There is nobody, but at least there is God. You say, I've turned to all of my counselors. I've turned to every direction I have, I could. I've turned to family. I've turned to friends. Maybe you've even turned to the man of God and, and there's no answers. I want you to know this. No matter who you've turned to, they might not have answers, but I want you to know that you can turn to God. There is a God in heaven that has all the answers to every need that you have. Thank God for that. God uses counselors and God uses friends and God uses preaching to help us. Uh, but I want you to understand there's times in our lives that 
none of those can give us answers. But God always can. And David realized that his men couldn't help him. He realized the priests couldn't help him. He realized, though, that God, the Lord God, can. David has nothing left. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you, you're in a place like David. You feel like, I've got nothing left. His family's gone. His children are gone. His wife's, wife is gone. His home is gone. All that David has left is the clothes on his back. But I'm going to trust God, David says. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to get a word from God today. Listen, what we need more than ever as our nation faces calamity, as our world faces calamity, maybe there's burdens and trials in your life and you're facing those things. What you need today more than ever is a word from God. And when you are seeking a word from God, I'm so glad that God is not going to hide his word from you. He's there for you. David got a word from the Lord. David was praying and he sought the Lord and the Lord said this to David. He said, David, I want you to pursue. This morning, I want to look at this thought. When weeping is, when weeping is over, fight. When weeping is over, fight. Sometimes in life, what we do is we spend our life weeping over something. Jesus even wept. Jesus wept several times. Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus' death. Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem and he, and he wept. For them, There were times that Jesus wept, and there's going to be situations in our life that, that is going to cause us to weep. And listen to me, we ought to weep. We ought to weep. Weeping, there's nothing wrong with weeping. There's nothing wrong with shedding tears. There's nothing wrong with evaluating your situation and, 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 and weeping and praying for God and asking God to intervene. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, we live in a society that maybe says to the men, men don't cry. The reality is this, uh, men, grown men do and spiritual men do. Men do cry. Men do shed tears. There's times that we, we cry. There's times when all voices are shut out. There's times when you need help and it seems like all voices are shut out. It seems like you, you, you need to hear something. I, at times, probably one of the hardest things in pastoring is feeling like you need to have an answer for everyone. There's times that the truth is I'll hear of an issue or hear of a problem and I want to give somebody an answer. Sometimes Michelle will hear something and she'll say to me this, she'll say, you need to fix that. She'll say that, I'm serious, she'll say, you need to do something there. You need to call that person. I heard this is going on. You need to call them and, 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 and help them fix that. And it's funny that she thinks that if I just call and tell them what they ought to do, that that's going to fix that. I often remind her when I advise you, <laughs> how did that help, you know? And she says, oh, you're right. You better keep your mouth shut on that one. She'll say to me, though, she'll say, you need to help them. You need to give an answer. And I'll say to her this, I don't, I don't have an answer to this one. 
the truth is I've laid in bed and I've wept for people. And I've said to God, God, I don't have an answer for them. God reminds me that in those times, they don't need an answer from me. They need an answer from him. Because an answer from me isn't going to fix their problem, but an answer from God will. David is in a place where his, his 600 men don't have an answer for him. His, his king doesn't have an answer for him. Abathar, the priest, doesn't have an answer for him. His, his, his family doesn't have an answer for him. He's in a place where he's all alone in great calamity, and no one around him has an answer for him. But there is one that has an answer, and that one is God. And David, through tears, through great distress, through great trials, he's, he's weeping because everything he sees in his life, everything he's worked for, everything that he's dreamed of is gone. And God says to him after his tears are finished, he says, pursue or, or fight, fight. Hebrews chapter number 12, I'll read this for you. Hebrews 12, verse number 12, the Bible says, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. There will be times that you're, you're going to feel out of joint. And the Lord says in those times, be careful that your faith doesn't fail. When you're in those situations where you just feel like I can't get a word from anyone, don't, don't lose sight. Don't don't let your faith fail. When you get to a place in life where you feel like your joints are about ready to give way, when you feel weak inside, the Lord says, be careful in those times. Don't lose faith. You might lose faith in man, but don't lose faith in the Lord. You might lose faith in the situation, but don't, don't let your faith fail in the Lord. The first thing that happens is fear. And then we think the worst. How many of you ever thought something worse than reality really was? Anybody like that? Like you thought about it and you're like, oh, this is the end. You called 911 because you thought by the time they get there, you're, you're going to need them. You know, you called them ahead of time to get there because this is it. You look at a situation and you say this, it can't get any worse. You look at a situation, you say, it, it, it's impossible. You look at a situation in your life and you say that, that this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And begin to live in fear. David was at that place, and the Bible warns us when we get to the place where we feel our joints are out, when we feel like our bodies are worn, the Lord says, don't lose hope, have faith have faith in him. In times of distress, you must get into God's word. You must get into portions of scripture like Psalm 34 or Psalm 121 and tell those verses take hold of your life. Get into God's word and get into that scripture and let that scripture take hold of your life. Claim the promises of God. Live that scripture and know this, that what God's promised you, he can never fail. You may feel like great calamity has come, but I want you to know that your God can never fail. You may seem like the situation is hopeless, but you must know that your God will never fail. Maybe someone that you love that was never supposed to disappoint you, maybe they've disappointed you, but I want you to know this this morning, that your God will never fail. Never fail. 
God's promise to deliver us. Aren't you glad about that promise? I said this morning as I woke up, I woke up about four this morning and looked at the weather and I've been watching the weather all day. Chloe actually said to me last night, she says, Dad, how many times are you going to check the weather? I said, until I see sun. (laughs) And I went to bed last night and the weather said 40% chance of rain. And I said, God, you are good. 40% 40% chance from, from, from 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. I said, that's 40%. That's great. God, you're good. And I woke up this morning, and I looked. the first thing I looked at the weather, and it said 90% chance of rain. <laughs> and I still looked up at the heavens, and I said, God, you are good. You're good. God's good whether it rains or whether it shines. God's good. In God's promise to deliver us. I said this morning to the Lord, I said, Lord, this is your tent. You paid for it. So if you want us to meet under this tent, we're going to meet under this tent. I said, if you don't, then send the tent to the neighbor's yard and we won't meet. And I got here this morning and the tent was still up. And I said, praise Lord, we're meeting under your tent. You know, sometimes God doesn't always show us how. But God is good. Now, there's something interesting I saw here. I've, I've preached from this message before, and I guess this is what I want us to see this morning. There was an Egyptian in verse number 11, and they found an Egyptian in the field. They brought him to David and gave him bread and did eat, and they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him for... He had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongeth thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to Amalekite, and the master left me because three days ago I fell sick. Now, to understand what's happening here, three days ago he fell sick. And if we were to read the rest of this, we'd find out that this, this Amalekite or this Egyptian man was a slave to one of the Amalekites, and the Amalekites are the ones that burned Ziklag. And so here we find this, the Amalekites that burn Ziklag, they leave. They've got David's ch- uh, wives. They've got David's children. They've got his belongings. They've got everything that belongs to these 600, 600 men that belong to David. And, and they are, they are leaving. And three days earlier, this man, this sick Egyptian slave falls sick. And instead of them helping him, instead of them, uh, uh, uh caring for their servant, they just left him to die. They left him to die. And so I want you to realize this, that here all of these things are are happening. Here Ziklag is burned and and David comes back and David's in great distress and David's upset and he thinks that everything he loves is gone. And that's what's happening in David's life. Over here, these Amalekites that are are burning cities and and, 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 in capturing everything, they're over here partying and having a good time thinking that everything their heart desires is theirs. They're thinking that whatever they want, they can have. They are in a good place. They're, They're partying, living up life. And in between these two, there's a Egyptian servant that's in a field by himself dying, dying. David has no idea this man's here. The uh, Amalekites know he's there because they left him, and they said, this man's no good to us. And I want you to think about this this morning. 
When we are in a place of distress and when we're in a place of, of weeping and we're in a place where we don't know what to do, that God gives us answers in ways that you'll never believe. God doesn't have to do it your way. God's preparing David a answer and a help through a through an Egyptian that's ready to die, that the Amalekites left for dead in that case right there, that situation right there is what God is going to use to help David get through his distress. A half-dead Egyptian, God's going to use. God kept this man alive for David. This man is supposed to be dead. This man's been here sick for three days and three nights, no food, no water. What's keeping this man alive? What, what's keeping this man alive is God because God has a plan for David. What's keeping this man alive is because God's going to use this Egyptian man to point David in the direction that David needs to go. What's keeping this Egyptian man alive is because God is working in the heart of someone that thinks it's hopeless, that God is working in the heart of someone that thinks that they can't go on with life going through the motions david here comes and finds this man god they made this man sick for david's sake as well you know what god said david i need to help you and so there's going to be an egyptian young servant egyptian that's going to get sick but this man isn't going to get sick but i need him to get sick so i can put him in the place so that when you need help you'll find help i think of God in so many things that he's done. I think just about three and a half years ago, I was sitting on an airplane. I had just talked to several of the, of the, the, the men on the pulpit committee here. And, 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 and I said to, I said to one, I said this, I said, you know what? I really, I really don't want to think about going in and uh, speaking any further about possibly coming up and candidating in Monclova, Ohio. I've got a missions trip. I need to go on. I'm going to be in Africa for 10 days and I'm not going to have cell phone. I'm not going to, I, I need to just go there. And I really just need to, to get what God wants me to have on this mission strip. And they agreed. I said, I, and I, matter of fact, I said this, I said, if you uh, can't wait 10 days till I get back, then I understand this just isn't what God desires. I get on my, I'm living in Columbus, Georgia at the time. And I get to Atlanta and I get on my airplane in Atlanta and I fly to Amsterdam, uh, long flight. And I get on the plane there in Amsterdam. It's late at night. We had a long layover in Amsterdam. I get on the airplane. It's one of those real big airplanes and like three seats and four or five seats and then three seats on the other side, a big aircraft. And I asked the lady, I said, is it a full flight? And she said, it is. I didn't want to hear that because my flight from, from my flight from Atlanta to Amsterdam was with a fellow that ate about three cloves of garlic. <laughs> Slept with his mouth open facing me. And all I could imagine is another, maybe they had a brother, you know, that filled in every so often, and he was going to sit next to me and finish the job that the other guy started. Honest truth is I took a, I took a, I took a bag or a, 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 a towel and I put it over this guy's face and he, and he took it off and looked at me, and I just went like this. 
and he took his hoodie the rest of the trip. And and I, I'm thinking, Lord, I, I'm going to die if you do this to me again. I sit down in my aisle seat and there's already a man at the window seat. He's facing out the window. The seat between us is open and I'm watching the plane fill up. They told me it was going to be a full flight. You, you know, I'm like, if you ever flown, Chris Cox likes to just eat um, cinnamon buns when he flies. I, I sit at my seat and I'm looking and I'm like, please pass by, please pass by, please pass. <laughs> then you get a real skinny, you know, please sit here, please sit here, please sit here. Oh, and everyone that's coming, you're like, yes or no, yes or no, you know. And I'm doing that routine. And they'd find a seat. Next thing I know, they say this, please turn off all of your electronics. The uh, door is going to close and go through their little routine. And I look and there's no one coming. And I'm telling you, it's the only seat open on the entire plane. That's what I said. Praise God. (laughs) And so I, I did one of those. I hit the guy in his arm. I said, hey, aren't we lucky? We got a seat. I said, you lay down the first half and I'll lay down the second half. I said, you didn't have garlic, by the way, did you? And we got talking and I said, where are you, you know, I'm heading to, to Ghana. And he said, um, you know, he's heading there too. And I said, uh, I'm going on a missions trip. And he said, I'm going there. He said, my dad died and I'm going there for a funeral. Hmm. I said, boy, I'm sorry to hear that. And he said, where are you from? I said, well, I'm, I'm from, I'm from uh, uh, Columbus, Georgia, and, and uh, told him what I did there. I said, I pastor a church there. Um, he, he's, I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I work at a, uh, a company. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a, an accountant at a, a large um, company. It was ProMedica. Um, I didn't know what ProMedica was at that time. He says, I'm an accountant there. He said, I'm from Ghana, but I went to school in the States, and, and uh, uh, I'm heading back for this funeral for my father. And I said, so you're from Ohio? I said, I, I lived in Ohio for 10 years. And I said, what part of Ohio? He said, well, uh, Toledo area. I know where Toledo is. I said, so you live in Toledo? He says, no, I live in a, I live in a city, a small town you've never heard of. I said, oh, really? What, what town is that? He said, Monclova. I said, what? <laughs> and honestly, I, looked, I said, who put you up to this? <laughs> Garlic man? I mean, who put you up to this? He says, have you heard of Monclova? I said, never in my life until a few days ago. I said, there's a church in Monclova, Monclova Road Baptist Church, right on Monclova Road. I said, there, I just, I've been talking to them about candidating to be their pastor. You mean God can work through a man that I've never met sitting on an airplane in Amsterdam? You say, well, does, does that mean that it's God's will? No. What it said to me was God was getting my attention. And God can use a, a, sick, a sick Egyptian 
to help David. And God can use a man that I've never met before. Now, I'll probably never meet again. Uh, God will use that man to, to get my attention. And, and God uses sometimes the, the strangest things. God can use anything he wants to use to meet his need, uh, his will and need in your life. I thought about this just a couple years ago. We on our TV station, it just came to where we really were looking and saying, what, what, what do we need to do? And, 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 and uh, we decided maybe, maybe to take it off for a period of time. And during that period of time, we got phone calls and emails from people saying, why did you take the service off? And, and we were really looking forward to it. We watched that on Sunday evenings. Why did you take it off? And, and uh, God at that time was putting it in the heart of a church member here. And I'll never forget, a church member came up to me and said this while we were looking through, what do we do? We hate to take uh, a gospel preaching program off of the uh, uh, TV here in the Toledo area. And a church member came and said this, the Lord has put it on my heart and put a $40,000 check in my hand and said, can we get our TV station back on? I'll never forget. I was golfing. Matter of fact, um, uh, Greg Corbett asked me to golf. I guess they just needed a caddy or something because I can't <laughs> golf. And at that function, he said, hey, I want to introduce you to someone and introduce me to a guy. And, and that guy later on, we talked. And boy, one of the things that we were wanting to do, and I know one of the things we've tried to do here for a few years was just kind of refinance refinance our, our loan. And, and um, uh, boy, we were paying a lot of interest on that loan. Talked to several banks, and, and nobody wanted to touch that loan, but God put us in contact with someone, and at the oddest of places, in the oddest of times, but God used that man to allow us to refinance our loan, and you know, by refinancing that loan saves about $7,000 a year, of, or $7,000 a month that we were paying, that was pretty much interest on that loan. What I'm saying is this, that God can use a sick Egyptian God can use things that you never thought he could use. God could use a man sitting on an airplane in Amsterdam. God could use a, a banker uh, at, at a golf tournament. God can use whatever he wants to use while you're in tears, while you're weeping for what you've lost. And God says to David, I want you to pursue. David says, all right, when my weeping is done, I'm going to fight now. And when you're ready to fight and God says pursue, what God does is he puts help along your way that you never thought could ever happen. He puts that help. God gave us his Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. We don't know what to do. The Spirit of God does know what to do. And then lastly, I'm done with this. There's a time to weep. There's a time to weep. But when we're done weeping, it's time to fight. The Bible says this, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him and said, what? Pursue, pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. When you're finished weeping, fight. Listen, God never meant for you to weep the rest of your life and mourn. He meant, you, meant for you after you're done, and he says, pursue to go forward and, and recover what you've lost. Recover what David thought was gone. The Bible says, God said to David, go back and fight. Go after what God has for you. Listen, sometimes Christians, we just get down and we get discouraged, and then we stay there. And if you stay there, Christian, you get discouraged and you begin to doubt God. You lose faith in what he wants you to do. Listen, we don't need... A 
church full or a tent full of Christians that think it can't be done. Listen, I know trials are real and I know burdens are heavy, but when God says pursue, it's time to pursue. We need an army of Christians that say by God's grace and with God's help, we're going to fight for what God says to fight for. We're going to pursue. We're going to go after what God says to go after. Listen, don't take past losses Don't take past failures and don't take past defeats and stay weeping. Don't don't just take those past and say, well, this is what my life is. Listen to me. If that's that's the case, then all of us would fail. But yes, every one of us have failures and every one of us have defeats and every one of us have loss. But we don't have to live there in those past failures. We don't have to live there in those past defeats. We can move forward and we can pursue with God's help. I would say to you, Christian, that's down this morning, get up this morning and pursue. I would say to you, Christian, that's discouraged this morning. Get up and fight this morning. I would say to you, Christian, that you think you've lost it all and things look hopeless. Get up and pursue what God says he'll recover for you. Get up and pursue. Get up and fight. We weep. We weep over the condition of this world. I I would be honest with you. If if, if you don't look at the, the way this world's going, then your heart's hardened if it doesn't bother you. But I would say to you, Christian, that we can't stay weeping. We've got to get up and fight with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we can look at the situation in this world and say it's hopeless. But we ought to get up. And as they sang earlier today, we sing about Jesus. We preach about Jesus. We preach about the gospel. We preach about the good news of Jesus Christ. And yes, as we're weeping with the condition this world's in, we ought to, for a time, stop weeping and pick up the word of God and go forth into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Why? Because there's a time to fight. There's a time to give the gospel. Some of you are weeping over your past sin. I would say to you, don't stay in your past sin. Don't stay there. Don't stay there and weep. Get up and fight and say, I'm not going to fall to these temptations again. I'm not going to fall to this again. I'm going to get up and I'm going to fight and recover what God says that I can recover. Some weep over the past failures. And listen to me, that's exactly where Satan wants you to be. He wants you to be in a place where you think, you know what? My past failures and my past sin, it's hopeless. And I've made a mess out of this. I want you to be reminded that it was, it was David that said, I need to go to the land of the Philistines. It was David that put himself in zigzag. It was David that ran from the will of God. It was David that said, I need to take matters into my own hands. But it was God that said when David came to the end of his rope. It was God that said when David came to where he thought he had nothing left. It was God that said to David when David thought his family was gone and his house was burned and everything he loved was gone. It was God that said, David, you may have failed. David, you may have walked away, but I'm going to get involved again and I'm going to restore and recover everything that you thought you lost. That's what God can do. Listen to me, it's time to stop weeping and get up and fight again. Listen, we weep over the lost. We weep over lost souls. But Christian, I would say to you, it's time to get up and fight. I think Satan has us believing, unfortunately, thinking that it's true that people don't want to be saved. I think Satan has us believing that people don't want to hear the gospel. 
But the Bible still does say that the fields are wide in the harvest. You know what that means? There's still souls that need to be saved. There's still the gospel that needs to go forth. There's still the good news. Jesus Christ, he is hope. When someone's hopeless, he's their help. He's their buckler. He's their strength. He needs to be preached. Listen to me. While we weep for the lost, let's fight and give the gospel to those that need it. Maybe there's some here today, you're weeping over your marriage. You're weeping over the condition of your marriage. Maybe instead of weeping, it's time to fight. If you're weeping over your job situation, instead of weeping, it's time to fight. David had a choice. David could have said here in this passage of Scripture, I'm distressed and I'm going to stay here distressed. Or David had a choice and he said, God, I can't hear from anyone else, but I need to hear from you. And in that moment, God said, David, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you to to pursue. And David said, the weeping is over. It's time to fight. And David's help came from a very unusual situation. I don't know what situation you're in, what situation you're facing, but I would say to you today, maybe the weeping is over and now it's time to fight. The weeping is past. Now it's time to pursue. The weeping is done. Now it's time to go forward and let God begin to recover and heal. Maybe you're here today and you need to trust Christ as your savior. Maybe you've been living a life and you've, searching for answers and you've tried religion and you've tried all these other things, I would say to you this, you've tried it all. Now turn to the one that can give you hope. His name is Jesus Christ.